0: Welcome to the Move Forward podcast with Dr. Kim Moss. We are here to move you forward in the call of God for your life, your career, and your ministry through prophetic insight, practical teaching, and powerful conversations with influential leaders. Never throw away your confidence. It is time to move forward.
1: Well, hey, everybody, welcome to the Move Forward podcast with Dr. Kim Moss, that would be me. And, uh, and we welcome again our special guest, Dr. Jeanette Storms, who we had on last time, and this is part two, to our Soaring Through Silence episode on the Move Forward podcast Listen, if you didn't hear last week's episode, you really need to go back and listen uh, so that you understand what we're gonna do today. What we're gonna do in this episode is uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about what it means to practice silence in our life, why that is so important. We talked about some of that last time. And then toward the end of today's episode, we are gonna have a guided practice into the uh, discipline of silence, and it's gonna be so good. And so I welcome you again, uh, Jeanette Storms. For those of you who don't know, Dr. Jeanette Storms is my spiritual mom, and, uh, and I love it and adore her. And she is a fiery, fiery preacher who carries revival and renewal. She does healing. She prophesies. She preaches up a storm. It's no, no uh, coincidence that her last name is mm-hmm. Storms and because yes. uh, she she just stirs up the spirit wherever she goes. But she's been a professor for many years, many different Bible colleges. That's how actually I met her during my master's program. And um, but she has done many, many things. She's been a missionary. She's planted churches in Japan and London. And was it Colorado? Montana, no, Nevada, Nevada. Nevada. Yeah, in the yeah. in the world of cowboys, and you should you should meet my spiritual mom. She's all of about five foot, and uh, and she's a tiny little thing, but that woman is fiery. So, welcome to today's uh, today's part two broadcast, and I'm so glad that you're with us. So, Nettie, I want to ask you. Um, we were talking as we left off last time. We talked about how silence really adds to sustainability in ministry. We we talked about how silence is actually a practice that allows us to come into the presence of God and enjoy being with him. Um, we talked about how Elijah, God, that God had to bring Elijah up onto the mountain and get him into a moment of silence so that he could hear, so so that he could speak to him and talk to him about this new season in his life and actually gave him a strategy strategy to win the war with Jezebel that's what that's what I think that's what I see when I read that but um but as we began to end uh last the last episode of this podcast we talked about how we are such in a time of transition the whole world is and that silence is one of the ways that, that God, God uses silence in our lives, especially during a time when he wants to bring us from one season into the next season, and we need to listen. And so sometimes it's actually the drawing of the Lord. And I really believe that we are in that kind of time. I really, I really believe that there is so much transition going on around us, and that if we will um, allow God to draw us into a moment of silence, that uh, we will actually receive his marching orders, so to speak, for the, for the next season. Um, you write in your book about Elijah that, that in moments of major transition, God will use silence to break old habits and to bring new habits, to form new things in the lives of, of life of a leader so that they can go to the next level. I think that most of us are are actually um, wanting that kind of thing, especially in a time like now. And especially, I know for my own self that um, right now, I'm going through a great transition right now and I I can feel it on every side. And actually, even though I'm very prophetic, I can't actually see what's ahead for my own ministry, my own life. So, of course, I just keep doing what God has given into my hand to do. And I I do the next thing. I put one foot in front of the other because resting is not stopping. Just like silence is not. Actually, just an absence of sound. It's something more than that, which is what we spent so long talking about last the last time. But um, but this book that you have written, Soaring Through Silence, and again, if you haven't read her book through Soaring Through Silence, you really need to get it. You can go to Amazon.com, just put in Soaring Through Silence, written by Dr. Jeanette Storms. Her first name is J E A N N E T T it's the French spelling of Jeanette and um, and it will come right up and you can get her book it's easy to read but it is profound for this time but I I would love to invite you Nettie to just to just is there is there anything about your book that we didn't talk about last time that you would like to share with us so that we can understand more about this thing called silence before we go into a practice time
2: well I you know what I, what, what I have discovered about silence is that it was a process that I learned in my life. Mm. And I learned it really, uh, through some of my missionary experiences. When you go to another country where the language is very complex, like in Japan and, um, And the culture is very complex. Almost everything about Japan in the culture is the opposite that it is in our culture. I mean, it's like when I first went to Japan and then we were out kind of in a village and I looked out the door one day and it was raining. It was raining. And this car drove up to the house and uh, this little lady, I think she even had a kimono on and she had those little brown kind of clogs on her feet. Anyway, she, she, she opens the door and then she holds the umbrella over her husband who's taller than him, her. And then she walks him out to the car. She opens the door for him and she closes it and he goes off to work. And I thought, what, you know? men are supposed to hold the umbrella for the woman and to open what is going on well you know so japan is is uh, uh, you know mission studies refer to uh, the distances of one culture from another culture with with some sort of language or scale that they created they're called e1 e2 and e3 and the e1 cultures. Would be like European cultures for us and those kind of things, and I have learned this thing through experience. Okay, uh, and even Mexico was because uh, Spanish and the Christian roots of that nation uh, make it easier, a little easier for us. And then EE two cultures are those that are a little further away. And for me, even because I've been, I've been to Egypt four times, I've been to Turkey two times, and uh, I have a little bit of experience with Middle Eastern cultures, not much, very, very little. Uh, but anyway, those, those and, and af- the African culture, I, I would uh, think of that as E2, but E3 are those cultures where almost everything is just so totally, totally different. Well, that's what Japan was, you know, for me. So I had a lot to learn. I had a lot to learn. Not only that, I was in a city that was very, very, Uh, populated well every every place in Japan is very populated it's extremely dense most people live in I, I now live in an apartment a minimalist apartment in kind of downtown LA it's got 600 square feet most of you couldn't conceive of living in 600 square feet but a lot of Filipinos not Filipinos but Japanese live in about 400 square feet okay and the bed oh, wow. is really in a, in a closet there. And you just kind of take the tongs down at night. Anyway, everything everything is very, very different. So uh, this this did create a lot of culture shock in me. and And I refer to some of these things in the second chapter of my book. So how did I learn to survive? And how did I learn to discover how important silence was? Okay, yes.
1: How did you... How did you know you were in culture shock? What does that feel like? I don't, I don't think I've ever experienced culture shock before. So, so explain that a little bit for us.
2: Well, culture shock actually has three stages, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and most people who go on mission trips never experience culture shock because they are still in what's called the tourist stage. Uh-huh. So when you first go to another country, you are in kind of the tourist stage, and by that, I mean that everything is wonderful, everything is different. the you know the 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 money is a little bit confusing and you're always trying to figure it out, you know what does this what, what what does this amount of money compared to this amount of money mean? and all of that. and it's kind of like so exciting and so different. and that's the first that's the first stage. usually, when you go over to actually live in a foreign country as i have lived um i lived uh what seven years in england i even had culture shock in england i couldn't believe that i did but not to the level that i did in japan um anyway so i so, so that's kind of the stage one is the tourist stage you somehow usually end that around six months so oh six because you, months Yeah. Because you, you start, it might be as long as nine months, but it's somewhere Mm. in that area Uh, because you really start, you get tired of these weird people around you all the time and you get tired of the way that they, the weird way that they act. And Uh, you just want them to be like your kind of people and, Mm. you know, and, uh, there's just you know it's it's kind of like a homesickness, but at the same time, it's kind of like this culture that you thought was so wonderful, it's not wonderful anymore, and you're just flat tired of it, and you would just rather be in something that you're more comfortable with. Sort of like getting married. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's like yeah. the
1: honeymoon's over.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's like the honeymoon's over in the marriage, you yeah. know. Right. So yeah. And then then you have to, then, but then what happens? So, so you, and, and it's kind of a time of readjusting yourself too. So you go through this yeah. kind of difficult phase. I would say that phase usually lasts maybe about three months. It could last longer. You want mm. to make sure that you don't stay there, you know, because then on the other side, you begin to appreciate people for who they are. They're different than you, but, yeah. but it's really kind of good. And it kind of helps you to grow as a person. But not only that, but what it does, especially if you're a Christian in a country like Japan that is very Buddhist. So actually, their worldview is very, very different. It's not their customs, just like I mentioned about the woman holding the umbrella. That's a custom. That's a cultural custom. But actually, the way that they look at life, and that's the hard part for missionaries to go through because you have to do what's called contextualizing the gospel. You have to be able to give the message in a way that they can understand it. And I want to just take a little rabbit trail right here. But I think one of our, our our greatest problems now with the American church and the American evangelical church is that We have people over here that live in a totally different culture from us, okay? And then we live over here in our own culture that we have kind of created, you know, the church culture. And a lot of Christians just live kind of in this Christian, I want to call it ghetto, you know? We just hang out with our own. We know what they do. We know how they think we're comfortable with them. And then there's this other reality that's over here, okay? And we're not always... So comfortable with that. But then there, what, what happens in, in, is, and when you go into this third stage of culture shock is that you become uh, more used to it. And, and you're really trying at that level to understand deeply, uh, how can I take the gospel and make it understandable to this other person? And, you know, I do, that's why I think language acquisition is really important, because it really does help us with that we have to learn a different language. And that's kind of like part of what America is going through right now, you know, this other culture has developed, and we don't know how to relate to it. And many of us don't want to learn the language. And we don't, you know, so I'll get off that topic. That, that, though, that's
1: such a good point right there that that is such a good point that we you know it's not that we are we should uh embrace uh some of the things that the culture is embracing it's not it's not that that's not what you're saying but that we learn the language well enough the language of this season and culture so that we can contextualize the gospel so that we can bring the answer to the questions that they don't know they're asking you know sometimes sometimes we have to form the question for them you know so that we can give them the answer that they they didn't even know that they were asking the question you know and um and we we have a lot of that right now i think that's brilliant Uh, what you just said, I had never even thought about that, you know, but we do, we do right now feel a little bit uh, like foreigners in our own home nation um, as Christians. And um, because so many things are changing so quickly and um, things, you know, that have to do with gender and things that have to do with, yeah, with, with that politics and and um, the next generation and some of all of that you know the critical race theory and all the things that people are talking about and whether you agree with it or don't agree with it whether you are liberal or you are conservative um, even still the culture is changing really fast and um, and we need to not be fighting one another we need to be finding a language that contextualizes the gospel so that we can speak, uh, speak and be influential in our culture. I think that's, I think that's a brilliant point. Thank you for bringing that up. I'm going to be thinking yeah. about that.
2: Yeah. So, so, so a lot of my challenge was, you know, I had to kind of dig through the layers of myself to figure yeah. out what really is here and what really matters,
0: mm. you
2: know, and I did find yeah. out there were things in me, and it really had to do with my Christian values and the way that uh, I can talk about uh, Christianity to people who have no clue about what I'm talking about when I talk about faith and other things like that. Um, so, uh, But how did, how did I progress through this? And a lot of the way that I progressed through it was by learning the discipline of silence. Okay? And God used three distinct things in this time period to begin to teach me how to uh, progress through this because mm-hmm. silence does not have to do with uh, a place where there's no people around you. Silence has to do with what is inside of yourself. Because uh-huh. every time I would get on the on the train, I mean, you know, I, I, I would I would get on a train and, and a million people would go through that one train station every day on my way to go teach in Japan. So, but the trains were so crowded. It was like, and there's somebody hitting you here and here and here. You know, fortunately I'm about the same size they are, but there was somebody that they're not hitting you, but your body is right up against them. Okay. Yeah. I, I, one time I just jokingly said, you could just lift your feet. You're not going to fall because there's so many people squeezed up right against you, you know? Yeah. So anyway, it's, it's very, 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 very different, you know, experience and, uh, and, and that, and, and that type of thing. So, but in the midst of this, how do you maintain not only your spiritual experience, but that inner space that is within yourself. And that's where, where I began to learn different ways of, of looking at life and different ways of processing my spirituality. And so in, in, in my book, in chapter two, I go over three things that I think really sustained me and uh, kind of grounded me in that period of time. And one of those was, and I know this sounds, this sounds sort of strange, but a lot of times just as an American, you know, to sort of enjoy nature, I have to go out and walk on a beach or go to the mountain or do something. But I discovered that I could see God in, and this is why Japanese do what they do in a bonsai. You know, when you look at a bonsai tree, you're looking at a whole forest. Oh. You're not looking at one tree. And when you look at, because I took, Uh, what was called ikebana that was a hobby of mine which is the arranging of flowers the japanese way um but you're not you're not the point of that is not uh so the way they arrange arrange flowers is very different but is to create recreate something that reminds you of what nature looks like so i learned to look at nature not in the huge things but in the small things okay and how to appreciate God's creation in a different way okay and so and and so one of the ways and I discussed this you know uh, focusing on the works of his hands you know seeing God at work around us in in a, in a tree I mean like this this tree outside my back door here in Los Angeles um, it just right now is getting its leaves. Uh, much later than a lot of other trees have blossomed. But I went outside my door one day and I looked at the tree and it looked like it was just, it had rain that had dropped all over it. And it just had all of these droplets. It looked like a rain or water on the bottom of every branch. I thought, that is so strange. What is going on here? I looked at the ground. It was dry, but the tree limbs looked wet and um so i finally and then i saw that happened a little bit one other day that was the life coming back into it you know i could see that was the sap of the tree that was life i was beginning to see life begin to spread up through that tree and out through all the limbs but see if you don't observe you don't see it do you okay So a lot of times, God is speaking to us through what we observe. And sometimes I've seen this in people too. So if you are a person that God especially is calling into a counseling ministry, or even a pastoral ministry, you have to perceive what God is doing in that person. And so through some of the things that are not always obvious. So to me, that's part of what silence begins to teach us. It's part of the uh, of the gift or they, it has to do with discernment, but it has to do with observation as mm. well. And we don't always observe what's going on because we haven't taken time uh, to observe. I mean, we, we're not, uh, I mean, I think that where we are as a nation in a Christian church is because we did not observe what was going on in the academy and in the universities around us, which is really at the core of a lot of the change that has happened to us. We were just happy in our corner and we didn't want to go into that different world, you know? So so that that was part of the process for me. Then part of the process for me was, was uh, learning uh, scripture meditation because I really have learned that with scripture, when you go to meditate, you're not looking at, you know, reading your three chapters or four chapters for the day and reading the Bible through, because I had done that for years. Okay. But learning yeah. how to take one small part, again, it has to do with observation, doesn't it? Yeah. One small part of scripture. And really, as you start to meditate, you kind of ask the Lord, and this comes from Luke chapter 24 when Jesus took the bread and blessed it and gave it to them and suddenly and they, then suddenly they realized all the things because they said did not our hearts burn within us but they hadn't put the two together you know mm-hmm. so what happens is is asking the spirit who breathe these words not to breathe into our hearts and minds Mm -hmm. these words that so uh, uh, you know meditation has to do with revolving the word of god in your mind and this really has to do with silence because as you begin to do this you are kind of withdrawing from the noise the chaos the uh you know the fake news the this and the that because you're, you are moving out of your world into God's world, okay, that spirit breathed world, okay, where He take He took these these men, but He breathed His thoughts into their mind, and yet what He wrote was authentic, uh, also authentically reflected. Who say when John was writing, it authentically reflected who John was.
0: Mm.
2: It authentically reflected who Paul was. It authentically reflected who, you know, Peter was or Mark and those other uh, people who wrote, I'm um, talking about the New Testament. And the same would be true in the, in the Old Testament as well. But so uh, an example of, of uh, something that, and, and I have found in my, because I communicate the gospel, uh, this is this is a gift to give me. Gifted, gave it to you, Cammy's he's given it to others. But I, I finally decided that part of my gift is communication okay and especially if you're prophetic your gift is communication you're communicating the mind and the will of god you know to people but through scripture he's communicating his mind to us so sometimes out of my meditative experiences i don't meditate to create a sermon series but sometimes it happens i'm sure that kim would totally agree with that So, so I, at one time uh, when I was pastoring out in Nevada, which was a very different cultural milieu than Japan, but I was there and um, I received a prophetic word about meditation. And so I decided to meditate my way through uh, different books of scripture. I didn't get very far, but I got into Hebrews, but I got into Ephesians. And when I started into Ephesians, I read a verse that, if you've read the Paul's epistles at all, you've read this verse zillion, I want to say zillions of times, but say lots, lots and lots and lots of times. Lots and lots. But you don't really read it, okay? You just because it always sounds the same because it always starts with a verse that says, "I, Paul." The servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, the apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, and right. Timothy and Sylvanus, we are with you, we greet you. Then the next verse says, "This I'm talking to you about a meditative experience, okay? Mm-hmm. Because meditation has to do with focus, focus,
1: focus, okay?
2: And 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 as you learn to focus, you come into that stillness that prepares you to hear from God. So I." came up to the second verse and i was arrested with the words that that said grace and peace to you from god our father and the lord jesus christ almost all of the second verses of paul's epistles say the almost the very same thing it's something about grace and peace may it be with you and i thought why did he write that and then i thought about the world in which they lived it was a very chaotic world. It was dominated by the Romans, but their life and actually their cities are, were more like our cities now, which was they were very crowded, and uh, they but they weren't sana, sanitary like ours are. They, you know, some of the sewers the sewers were just raw sewage going down the streets, and it was it was a very rough place. But they were very multi ethnic. And they were very uh, multicultural and and they had multiple languages. And you Mm -hmm. see this in the book, The Rise of Christianity by Rodney Stark, which is published by University of, of, it's published by Princeton University. Okay. But very interesting study of what the ancient world was like. So, and actually I read that book after I read what I'm describing, my meditating experience. Grace to you. They needed grace to live in a world like that. They needed grace, you know, to proclaim the gospel in a place where the word Jesus had never been spoken.
1: Mm. Mm.
2: What most people would have known would have been sheer idolatry, and they would have worshipped some some idols, whether they were Greek or Roman. Or they might have known about monotheism, because there were these strange communities that lived among them as Jews. And they they were different than anybody else because they believed in one God. But the name Jesus had never been heard. So they had to take the gospel into these places. But, but, but they needed grace for that. They needed grace for that. They needed grace to live in that culture. And that's what we need. And then peace. And they needed peace because you know, they lived again, as I said, in this very chaotic world. We think we live in a chaotic world. Our world is not as chaotic as theirs. Okay. So, so, so why does he write this to every church at the beginning? Because this is what they needed, didn't they? They needed grace and peace. And when I, you know, that then became a sermon and I'm, I'm, I'm sort of teaching some of the components now, and that's not how I preached it, but I want to say that I ministered on grace and peace and the power of those and how yeah. we need those in our lives if we're going to overcome Now, Now, all of that came out of meditation. Okay. Mm. And then the third component that God really taught me was very important. And you would think being raised in a Christian family, going to church every Sunday, I would get this, but that was Sabbath because the reality is Sabbath. most people who go to church don't practice Sabbath. Okay. And there is a certain word that is contained in some of these more uh, Christian disciplines, you know, the ancient Christian disciplines, but it's called holy leisure. Mm-hmm. And so what I learned to do was to set, uh, be, uh, I learned this the hard way. I went through a burnout and the, when i emerged on the other side god said to me you got into this state because you didn't practice sabbath he said Ooh. that very clearly to me and when he was sending me back to japan he said you got into this state because you didn't practice sabbath okay so he was saying that you don't have any choice about this you have to do this so so i had to learn to set aside one day of the week when i got back to japan um, and I had learned these, some of these lessons when I was in youth with a mission in Hawaii, at Kona on the base. Okay. But when I got back to Japan, he told me clearly, I have to tell my leader, I have to have one day a week off and there I don't want any demands on my time on that day. And then I had to seek God to find out what I should do on those days, you know, walk down to That'd the park, take a trip to the beach. But coming into a day of rest. Yeah. A lot of us don't give our because because and that's that's what creates some of the silence in our life. It's giving ourselves time out. And that's why as we go back into our lives, I mean, really what God did for us in COVID is he called us to our families. He called us to a deeper level of relationship with those families you know a lot of parents didn't even know their children the teacher knew their kids better than they knew them you know and 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 so as we move back into a different way of being some of those things that god taught us you know i i I mean i started I drove a week ago, I drove on a freeway here. It was totally different than it was two months ago. I thought I was going to get killed almost. People forgot how to drive on the freeway. <laughs> Everybody was cutting in front of me and just driving in the most bizarre manner. And and other people have said it's been like that since they've lifted some of the restrictions. Everybody's just kind of going crazy. But but we have to be careful in moving because now we're moving from this to whatever that is yes we need we need some of these practices of so as i persisted in doing these things because some of these things will seem abnormal to you you know we're so used to working giving ourselves a break and a whole day when we can go out and garden i mean the other day i was with some of my friends we went out i I have a swimming pool at my uh, complex here, and it's kept at 86 degrees, so I can swim all year. But I'd never gone there, but I went with some friends last Saturday. and after about two and a half hours or, I began to feel guilty. Shouldn't I have been doing something? You know how we get yeah. with ourselves. Yeah, yes. So learning the Sabbath, learning, meditation, how to focus when you focus your mind on scripture, and then when you finish that, you should journal. So these are all ways of beginning to learn. They are some of the disciplines that will begin yeah. to teach us how to enter into that place of silence, because at first, silence seems abnormal. It seems yeah. abnormal. So God has to bring you by these other ways. And that's exactly what Madame Guyon said, you know, what was that, 500 years ago or something <laughs> when she... Yeah when she wrote experiencing the depths of christ okay it's a book that i highly recommend um but she talks about how uh we aren't comfortable learning how to come and sit in jesus presence so we have to go through yeah. these sort of experiences whether it's learning how to practice the sabbath learning how to meditate on scripture or learning how to observe what God has put around us and to worship him. Because because when you read the Psalms, there are several things he tells us to meditate on, but there's two primary things that the Psalmist tells us to meditate Hmm. on. One is the word and the other is his works. Hmm. The works of his hands means the creation, but I think it also has to do because Paul said to his son in the faith in 2 Timothy, He tells him to meditate on the uh, scriptures, the prophecies that were given unto you when hands were laid upon you. So meditating on our prophetic journey is also another way. and, And then meditating on his works in our life, how he's been faithful to us and some of the miracles that he's done for us. That that also creates gratitude yeah. in us, doesn't it? So these are yeah, some of the I think things that's, that I, I learned. Think that's yeah.
1: really yeah, I think that's a really important point. Um, because I even know that um that s- several weeks ago as I was um you know working around my house and you know, const- I'm I'm you know, as you know, I'm always working. I'm very yeah. driven person, I admit it, I'm very type A. And, uh, and I have to almost force myself to practice the Sabbath, which I do. Um, but I, but it's, it's hard for me to rest actually, because mm. I prefer being productive and accomplishing something just about every minute of the day. So part of that's personality, of course. Um, but I know that after this long stretch of of the pandemic and being at home more and all of that and getting used to being at home more and all of those things, which, which I fall in love in love with again, Um, but even so went through, went through a time when I felt really, um, depressed in some ways, you know, I felt discouraged and wondering, well, Lord, you know, is it's is it all over, you know, are we, are we doing anything here? And, uh, you know, did I fulfill everything that you asked me to, is there going to be more ahead? And of course the answer was yes. And, and, um. I was just, you know, sort of going through that, and I know a lot of people have been going through that, and maybe yes, you're going yes. through that right now. Maybe somebody who's yes. listening, you're going through that right now. Um, and um, I, I turned on some music, and um, and I was listening to a song that that talks about miracles and different things, and um, and and someone was giving the little testimony of what they'd seen God do, and I started thinking on. All the things that amazing, amazing things that I have journaled because I've journal everything that I have seen God do. And it began to stir up my faith. And Mm. the reason I bring that up, Nettie, is because I think sometimes, you know, when we don't, when we are not meditating on the works of God, I think meditating on the works of God, especially the works of God that we've personally witnessed or that we've personally experienced, you know, um. When it becomes a testimony it it stirs up our faith
2: yes yes
1: you know it it stirs up our faith and with stirring up of our faith it stirs up our hope you know yes. and it and it and it brings renewed energy and and this is part of what it means i think we started we start we talked about last last session you know we talked about sustainability i think yes. sustainability to have sustainability, to have longevity, um, in in pursuing in in pursuing a call and walking out a call, and in um, in just life in general.
2: Yes, yes. You
1: know, um, we have to stir up our faith sometimes. Yes. We have to we have to remember what God has done, and it, we just it brings hope. I and I yes, think without hope, we just sort of you know fall by the wayside.
2: Yeah. Yes, yeah. So, yeah. Um, are we ready then uh, for me to teach
1: some of these exercises? I think that we are, but I want to ask you one more question because okay. you mentioned yes. you mentioned that you went through a time of burnout. Yes, and um, and I think burnout is not just a loss of energy. I think it's I think it's a loss of, you know, interest in what you were doing before. I think you just sort of don't care anymore. I think it's a sort of a hopelessness or something. What what was it like to you to go through burnout? How did you know that you were getting burned out? I mean, what what was what was that all about? Well, my my
2: burnout looked a little different than that. I think mm. burnout looks different at different times. And mm. really some of the things that you were describing about meditating on the works of God and how that encouraged you, because I think in this COVID experience, almost all of us, it's kind of been a time for us to assess where we've been. And then if, but if we're not careful, then the enemy will make us think it's all over, isn't it? Yes. But, but then when we begin to think about his faithfulness, because I, 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 I think around in December of last year, I was going through some of that. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm sort of like you, you've moved, but I, I am thinking about getting a little closer to my family and uh, doing some other things. And it, it, will, it will involve a major move. And yeah. uh, as, as I think about that, then I've wondered, well, what's going to happen when I get there? I'm not going to know anybody yeah. and everything like that. He did say to me the other day, I said, I was kind of saying some of this stuff to him, you know, Mm -hmm. and he said, now, how have I always worked in your life? Because we're talking about the (laughs) work. Yeah. Uh, Or uh, the way he works in our life. He says, now tell me, uh, when you went to all those places, when you went to Japan, when you went to England, when you went to these different places, you didn't know anyone, did you? But when you got there, God introduced you to all these wonderful people they became part of your life. And some of those are part of my life, like forever. And some of those were with me in that season. Okay. So, but he was saying to me, don't worry about what it's going to be like. And are you going to have any friends in your new place? He said, you know, just obey me and it's going to work out. It really is. And as in every move, it's going to make sense. But going back uh, to this specific burnout that I had, okay. That w- because, because when I went to Japan um, and at the end of that, there were two things that helped me make sense of what had happened to me and I'll explain those. Um, but uh, when I went to Japan, we were pioneering. There were only four of us on, on the team. There were two that were there when I got there. There was myself and there was another person who had been with the former team, but the former team had kind of left everything in chaos, and they left on yeah. very, very bad, bad terms with the charismatic community that was there. Mm. So we went in to restart things, and uh, and and so we had to do everything like believe God. And if you get my first book, uh, it has all of the story about oh. believing God for the table in the dining room and believing God for. Well, the first day we moved into our new home, we had to have fight like we had to have $5,000 for the down payment. And, and that was in 19, what, 75? We had to have, n- not for the down payment, that's just the deposit. So you, you can actually rent the house and then they will hold that all those years and give it back to you. Meanwhile, the landlord's making all the interest money on, on your money, isn't he? That's how it, it, it works, you know, in that particular culture. But anyway, we had to believe God for that that amount. See, when I when I went to Japan, I only had hundred dollars to my name, going to the most expensive country in the world, and I only wow. had one church that was committed to giving me ten dollars a month. I mean, was was I stupid, or did I have faith, or what? <laughs> I you had faith. And think that was absolutely stupid, you know. If I had a child that wanted to do that, I would have just jerked them up and said, I don't think God's in this until you have more money. And you know, <laughs> but anyway, anyway, I had parents that just, you know, were were willing to believe God with me. Anyway, that was kind of what happened, you know. So we had this huge, huge faith journey at the beginning. When you have that kind of a faith journey you really have to pray a lot. I mean, you fast, you pray a lot. But not only that, we were just in in a lot of warfare. So after six months, I had to change my visa. And I went out to Hawaii to do that. And I went out to that base in Kona. And I had been there about two weeks, maybe not even that, that long, maybe a week. Uh, and I woke up one morning and I was absolutely hysterical. I mean, oh. I was just crying hysterically and I couldn't wow. stop and I didn't know what was wrong with me. Oh. And um, so I didn't, and I didn't know what to do and I didn't know who to turn to. But in my school of evangelism there, actually Lauren Cunningham and Darlene Cunningham had been there. And so I knew her and, you know, they were the founders of Youth with a Mission originally yes and I really didn't know many people on that base so I called her on the phone was crying hysterically I said I'm crying I can't stop crying I think there's something wrong with me you know could you please come and help me and she said well this is what I want you to do lay down and be quiet as quiet as you can and uh, I've got to get my kids off to school this morning and when I finish I'll come over there so then, then she did, and I just kept saying things, irrational things like, oh, God doesn't love me, and I failed him, and you know, blah, 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 blah my life's just going to wreck and ruin, and I was, I was a total mess. It was a total mess. Anyway, she said to me, she said, look, she said, you're tired, and you don't know what's really going on inside of you. And you keep telling me that you failed god or sinned or whatever so she said this is what i'm going to do i'm going to kneel down here on the floor and i'm going to ask god to show me any sin in
1: your life oh holy <laughs> now, smoke he, were you nervous i would have been so scared i was, I was so <sighs>
2: joy dawson or a kim moss or a cindy jacob say to you i'm going to kneel down here in the floor and i'm going to ask god if there's any sin in your life i was scared i was scared to death and she did just that she didn't just say it she knelt down with her head between her knees you know and she asked god is there any sin in her life and then she was quiet she was waiting for the answer oh man and I was so happy when she popped up and said, he didn't say anything to me. So you're okay. He said, <laughs> <laughs> And the next, the next thing she said is that you have just worn yourself out, uh, you mm. know, uh, out over there, you know, that you've been in such intense spiritual warfare week after week, month after month, that all of your energies are totally depleted. So she said, this is the deal. Because I, 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 there was a, a counseling conference going on and I was attending the conference. She said, I don't want you to attend the conference anymore. She said, I give you the freedom to just walk the beach and just, you know, uh, and and read and just do it, what, whatever you want to do, but don't come to church. And, and she said, and don't read your Bible, I said, but I have to read the Bible. And she said, if you have to read Psalms, but don't read nothing else, okay?
1: Wow. Because yeah. she knew
2: that, that my mind was just kind of in that state of, 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 I don't know, the enemy, you know, he really messes with our minds.
1: Yes, you know, to he help does. us yeah.
2: try to, to think that God doesn't love us and we failed him. And, you know, and so so, especially if you have an analytical mind, then you're always analyzing and you're not drinking from the fountain of the word. When you meditate, you're drinking from the fountain of the word. You're not processing it so much through your mind as through your spirit.
0: Mm.
2: With If we're not careful in the educational process, we come to the mind with our educational hat on instead of our yeah. spirit hat. Okay. Yeah. So he, he had to give me some sort of you know, um, understanding about that. Anyway, so the the upshot from that was that, so I just had, so I, I did, I walked out on the beach and I did this and I did that. And after about two weeks, I was okay. And she said, just get women's magazines, read them, you know, do this stuff. I did that. And then at the end, you know, um, Lauren Cunningham had a session with me and he really gave me some insight about um, how, how to kind of live and order our life when we're in a place of very intense spiritual warfare. Because like he said, in Japan, there, was this, there and there, there is this uh, territorial shield over that, con- mm-hmm. that country that when you intercede like I like to, you go straight up, straight up, straight up, straight up and you kind of fall back down. But he said there's another way, and that is you come over here. And it's kind of like the practice of silence, a little bit different. But mm. he said it's it's that picture of the bird. It, it, you just ascend, you ascend, you ascend, you ascend, you ascend into the presence of God. And now you're seated with him in heavenly places, and you're praying down on that thing from the throne room of God.
1: Oh, good word, and, yes.
2: And that was um, you know, so that was part of what I learned and why I value Sabbath too, because of some of those lessons that he taught me at that time.
1: Yeah. So important. So important. All right, Nanny, guide us. Will you, will you take us into the practice of silence and teach us a little bit about that? I'm going to, I'm going to settle down and sit because I'm going to, I'm going to follow you in. That's what I'm going to do. So go ahead.
2: Well, there, there were two things that I learned. The whole thing of it is silence seems abnormal to most of us. So sometimes we have to learn some little practices. And these are two practices over the years that I acquired. You know, it's interesting the way God brings different people, different resources into your life at the right time to help you. But as you begin practicing these things, then they become more normal to you. And then you almost to get into God's presence, you don't need to do that practice anymore. Or if you find, if I find myself like uh, some of these, both in fact, both of these present these practices. If I find myself kind of uh, becoming really worried or anxious or other things right now, can't sleep at night or so forth, I just do one of these. I mean, I can do other things. I can worship and I can speak in tongues and do some other things. But this is these two things uh, really did uh, help me a lot. And the first one is a very easy one. And it's, it has to do with breath. And it's very interesting because everything that the enemy does is a counterfeit of who God is. So when we talk about, about breath and breathing, some people might say, well, that's, that's Eastern religion. And it's not. Because the breath is the ruach of God. The word breath in the Old Testament is the word ruach, which is also the spirit of God. Mm. That God breathed into man and man became a living soul. Yeah. So, so w- with the breath exercise, what you do is you sit in his presence, but you, you breathe out.
0: Mm.
2: And as you breathe out, you're breathing out toxins, you know, I mean, but you're breathing out those things that are toxins spiritually and mentally, and even emotionally, you're breathing out anger or fear or insecurity or other things, whatever frustration, Mm -hmm. you know, God was so good to me the other day sitting here in my meditation chair, he revealed to me an area of my life that I didn't realize I had anger there and it was with somebody that I love very much, but I had suppressed uh, anger at that Mm. person. So sometimes, you know, uh, we don't realize that there are things in us that we have been bottling up and we need to let go of that. That's good. Okay. So sometimes, so what you need to do in doing these two exercises, let me explain that you need to do this in kind of a familiar place to you. Yeah. I have a prayer chair. I'm not in my prayer chair right now. I have another chair. It's my prayer chair. I'm sure Kim has a prayer chair. It's but right It's right there. It's right there. Yeah. <laughs> it, and that's a place where you sit and, and you didn't know that's what it would become. But it seems like every time you read the Bible, you're there. Whenever you go to pray, you're there. And when you get really serious about prayer or other things like that. So... Anyway, it's good to have what I'm trying to say, a designated place that yes. you go to in these in these practices, because when, after a while, when you go there, it's like your mind changes. Your spirit changes. I'm now with God. Yeah. I'm in my prayer chair. He's now with me. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, that's kind of after you've done this enough, you will understand what I'm talking about um
1: so anyway it's sort so- of forming a habit right it's sort of yeah. forming yeah. a a habit and at first a habit is a conscious intentional decision but later it's just a habit and you automatically do it so if you've designated um i i have as well, designated a special place in my office, in a corner of my office. I use it for prayer and for meditation, for reading certain things. Not, not. I don't use it for study and writing messages. I use it for for um, study when I'm when I'm thinking about God and I want to pray a different kind yeah. of a personal devotional studies. And um, but yes, and. Then the minute it's exactly like you say, the minute you sit down in your chair, it's like you, you're, you, you just know your body and mind just know, oh, we're, we're going to do that right now. It's now it's become a habit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. So,
2: so then when you positioned yourself there, then you, then, then you just quiet yourself and sit quietly, but then you go and you breathe those things out. And he Just let the Holy Spirit bring to your mind what you need to breathe out today in Mm -hmm. his presence. Those things that are troubling you and those things. But then after you've breathed out, you breathe in his Holy Spirit, but you breathe in the opposite. If there was anger, you know, you breathe, you breathe in peace. You know, I had to breathe in the other day the grace of forgiveness. Okay. And so you breathe in the opposite. Okay. So we will sit here for just maybe a minute or something. And uh, we'll just experiment with this. Okay? Okay. Let's do that right now. Yes. Okay. Great. So after you start doing that a while, then you just sort of get comfortable. <laughs> you want <laughs> yeah. to stay there a little bit longer. But, but see, if we were doing this, if we were in a group together and doing this, then I would ask people, you know, what happened? And how did you, how did you feel? And, you know, some people might want to share, some people wouldn't. But God, I have found meets different people in different ways when they do this. Mm-hmm. Okay, then the second exercise is much like the first, and actually, I learned this from uh, Richard Foster, uh, Richard Foster's book on the on the spiritual disciplines. But uh, I read it and thought that's interesting. I think that I'll try that, and I've I've taught different groups of people to do this. And at one time when I was teaching the disciplines in the Bible College where I was, I assigned my students that they had to do this every day, what I'm going to teach you now. They had to do this exercise of hands, hands up, and then hands down. They had to do this every day, and then they had to journal it. And uh, and one of the ladies said, oh, it was so wonderful, because when I put my hands back up, I could just feel that God, it's like she felt the hands of God on her hands, Uh. you know, that God was just touching her through this. So, um, but this is another way. And sometimes when we engage the physical in a spiritual exercise, this is why the prophetic in scripture was sometimes dramatized, not just vocalized, but dramatized. And that's why we've learned more about the prophetic in art and motion and other things. Because when the body is engaged, and this is especially true for people that are more kinetic learners, okay? So um, I want now for us to just think about this exercise, okay? And it's it's similar to the other one. The other one, we breathe things out. But in this one, it's like you put your hands out before God, sort of like this, you know? Kim can do it better than I can because I'm closer. (laughs) to my camera than she is, well,
1: but you put your hands. You, for those of you who are just listening only, put your hands out from in front of you, like you're going to receive a gift, palms up.
2: Okay, palms up, okay. So you're expecting someone to give you something, okay? Mm-hmm. And then what happens is that, uh, in but into these palms, actually you're going to put something. And that is the things that we talked about before the things that are troubling you and some of your needs and those things that seem especially overwhelming to you. And even if it's your depression, your hopelessness right now that we talked about before, some of you may still be in that hopeless state because of, of COVID. But here, put it right in your hands right mm-hmm. now. Okay. Then after you do that, you close your eyes, but then what you, you do is you Envision Jesus coming and he's standing in front of you. Okay, Jesus is just walking right up to you right now. You have your hands out, and now what Jesus is going to do as he walks right up to you, he's standing right there with you. Then you, uh, he says to you, Give give it to me, give me your hopelessness, your despair, frustration anger. Um, Maybe it's a financial problem. It's a relationship problem that keeps going in circles and it never gets resolved. You know, you just know all the wrong buttons with that person and you keep hitting them and they keep hitting yours. And it's like, will we ever get beyond this? And this could even be a spouse or a child, an adult child of yours, or it could be an in-law or someone. But I feel there's someone this applies to. Mm. So just, just Jesus says to you now, now I want you to take whatever is there in your hands. Yes, I put Lord. Yes, I put word. Now what you do is Jesus' hands, he extends his hands to you And he puts them underneath your hands. So they're just below your hands. His big hands are just below your hands. So he says, give those things to me. So what we do is we turn our hands over. Turn your hands the opposite way, just as Kim is. Okay, just turn those over. Let those things just, and if you have to shake them off, just shake them a little bit. Just put them, yeah. Jesus says, maybe some of you need to shake a little bit harder. Those things have been <laughs> with you for a while. And you, you need to kind of maybe even brush your hands. You just need to get rid of some of those things. Just put wow. them in Jesus' hands right now. Thanks, Jesus. Can you just feel that, that stuff? Just that burden, condemnation, guilt, shame, lifting off of you. The lies of the enemy that say, this is irreconcilable yeah you're incompatible with that person yeah that's a lie of the enemy so just release it We release it jesus release it right now just be quiet as it's all flowing right into him on the cross because he died for all those things every pain yeah he died for it yeah and then you put your hands up after that, and then you turn receive from here. I just turn your hands back over, and now you're standing in front of him, and he says, "Now I give you these gifts." Yeah, I give you. It's even what Isaiah sixty-one says. He promises, and he says, "I'll give you beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, a garment of praise." For the spirit of heaviness. Ah, receive that garment of praise. Jesus. Receive that beauty. Receive that anointing oil and the anointing of the Lord flowing all over you. The anointing flowing from your head down over, you know, your, your on, onto your shoulders, even over your face and Yeah, down even over your heart, down your body all the way, covering you. Yeah. 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 We receive it now, Jesus. We relax in your presence. Yeah. We just thank you for these gifts. Jesus. Thank you for these gifts. Sometimes uh, when I have done this, when I was a pastor, I would do this sometimes in London. And sometimes, I hate to say it, but even when you're a pastor, you can have some irregular people, incompatible people in your life. Mm -hmm. And there was one woman that I kind of wished I could have just choked because I didn't like the way she treated her family. I was so irritated. But I did this one night to just release those feelings into God's hands. And as I did it, he showed me her heart. He showed me why she was like she is. And he replaced all of those things with such compassion and understanding for her. It was just quite remarkable. So that's one of my testimonies of what God has done. As I've done these things and I've done these things across the years and I, I don't practice these things now. I mean I think it's good at the beginning stage to maybe practice this for a whole week, two weeks, three weeks in a row and then pretty soon you know when you need to do it and he draws you back to the place and you do it again whether it's the breathing or the hands so I so I still do these things Uh, sometimes um, when the Holy Spirit says, why don't you do this? It'll help you with what you're going through right now. Mm -hmm. So I hope this is ministered to you.
1: Yeah, I think that's beautiful. And I think those things uh, that we just practiced are entry points, don't you? They're they're beginning points uh, to a practice of silence. Yes. Um, Because as you said, silence is really not about um stopping all noise and never speaking. It's it's not really about that. It's it, about it's not narrowing.
2: isolation. Yeah. It's not yeah. Uh, not we're not self-isolating. Silence right. is not self-isolating. Yeah. I'm sorry. Right. I interrupted you, Kim. No, right.
1: that's okay. I think that's good. And I I think it's more about uh narrowing our focus um down to the to the one thing and that's him, you know. Yeah. And then beginning to observe, you know, beginning, being able to observe in the spirit and in the natural, you know, where he's at, what's he saying, what he's doing, you know, and that's, that's about a silence on the inside where you're not striving all the time and, and, you know, and, and going over sometimes, you know, we, we experience pain or wounding or unmet expectations or disappointments, you know, and um, and then on the inside, we're actually really noisy. It's not about yes, the noise. Yes. I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's not really about the noise on the outside. It's about the noise on the inside that we are yeah. internalizing and becomes stressful and keeps us from being able to hear God's voice. You know, sometimes the the pain that we are in emotionally or in a relationship as you know, you concentrated on a relationship. So, so I know that was a word of knowledge. I knew the Holy Spirit was leading you in that moment because there's going to be those who are listening that that's where the noise comes from. And they're going over it and over it and over it. And they're, and they're turning that over and over and over in their mind. And of course, the enemy has an open door to give you thoughts that aren't even really yours. And of course, you're stuck on what they said, what they did, what it looked like, the look that was on their face, the sound of the tone of voice that you, you know, all of these different things. And that's noise that that pushes out or keeps us from being able to hear that still small voice of God. And right now yeah. we're really in a time when we really need to hear the still small voice of God, because we're entering into a whole new season, a whole new type of, of, yeah. um, era, you know, mm-hmm. a, 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 the culture is changing. The, the, our nation's change, The world is changing. And, um, there's the enemy would like us to be afraid you know he'd like us to be stressed, and he he wants us to be in panic, and um, and anxious, and and yet the Lord is saying, no, come come away, come, let's let's narrow down some of the, let's let's get beyond some of this noise that's on the inside of you, so that you can observe me, what I'm doing, where I'm leading, what I'm saying. Right, isn't that what silence is really all about, Nettie?
2: Yes, absolutely. You've really nailed it when you said that,
1: yeah. Yeah, so we we really pray for you that you will be able to enter into silence in this time, and so that you can hear the strategy yes. for the next season. I love that Elijah, when he went up on the mountain, you know, when I when when you study that passage. Once he receives the threat of Jezebel and don't we all feel a little bit under threat right now Yeah. that he, he, you know, and the threat was viable to him. You know, she had the power to do what she said she was going to do. Of course she didn't do it, but, but he runs, it says that he flees because of it. And, but every place that he goes, he's retracing the steps of his forefathers yeah. Every place where they met God, because he was going to meet with God. He knew that if he was going to have answers, he was so discouraged and he was so confused. And he knew that the power play that he had made didn't didn't change the culture, didn't do the thing he was hoping it would do. And so he's going to meet with God because he needs answers to his questions and he needs answers about what what to do ahead. And he's so discouraged. He, just, he thinks maybe it's all over. Maybe he has failed. It gets up on the mountain. And and when he gets there and he hears the still small voice, because as you say in your book, which is so wonderful, that in this great shift and transition in his life to go to that next place, to go to the next level, he had, God had to bring him into a place of silence so he could hear the instruction. And the instruction was you're not finished yeah. you're not alone i still have yeah. 7000 you're not alone you think you're alone but you're not all alone you know you're not finished yet go back and complete your calling. And, and as you do that, here's your strategy. You're going to anoint this one, that one, the other one, you're going to, you're going to take on, you're going to connect with the next generation so that there's a succession plan in order. Um, But you're not finished. The assignment isn't done. And I think that for many of us, we're in that place where is it over God? Is this it? You know, and um, we thought we did our best, but it wasn't good enough. And And God is saying, no, I I need to draw you up now because things are changing. Definitely there's a shift. The culture is changing. There are things that are happening. You don't quite understand, but you know, he's not up there wringing his hands and going, I don't know what to do about this. I don't know. what. That's not the Lord. The Lord's like, come up on the mountain, get into a place of silence because you're going to hear the still small voice. I'll give you the marching orders for the next season. So this is where we are. And so Mama Nettie, my spiritual mama, you have been so important to me for so many years and you have so many times uh, spoken into my life. But would you would you pray for my listeners? Would you pray for them to hear God's voice? And and if you hear anything, go ahead and prophesy. And um, and if you don't, that's okay. Just pray for for my listeners that they would enter into the silence, hear God's voice for this next season in their life as they come out of their transition. I think we're coming to the end of transition quickly now, and we need yes, to hear yes, our marching orders. Yes, have can can you hear me,
2: Kim? I can. Okay, because I'm having difficulty with my uh, ear pods. Okay. They're running out of power. So okay. I wanted to make sure that you could hear if I'm going to pray, yeah. So. I can hear you. Okay, thank you. Jesus, uh, we're so excited. It's like we're kind of, we're, we're in that place where we're looking for the sun to rise
0: yes. in the
2: Eastern sky. We're, we're kind of standing on tippy-toe with expectation And we've been through, really, the last year has been a year of darkness, the last 15 months. And we're not out of that darkness yet. And that darkness wants to make us think that it's going to rule over us and it's going to reign over us. But I want to thank you, God, that it has no power over us. The enemy has no power over us. The political system has no power over us. It didn't have any power over the ancient church, and it has no power over us. The idolatry and the pagan systems that Paul faced had no power over him, but rather the gospel and the light of the gospel that was it was with him overpowered it. Mm. But we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting, and Lord, we don't have any choice. So right now we choose to let go of the past, huh. the way that we did things, the way that we even knew mm-hmm. church, if I could say, I don't want us to understand misunderstand that, but you know we're willing to let go of things, God, yes. because we're excited about the new, but also, Lord, we want to stand right here in your presence. You've been so real to us as we have done these two exercises. I could just feel the anointing of God and the presence of God resting upon us. And I believe and know that it's now resting in the homes of those that are listening right now. You're right there with them, Jesus. So we just say, Lord, that we receive your peace. We receive your vision. We receive your courage that we have need of to release the past and to say, Jesus, I'm available for you, for you to do what you want to do, what you want to do. I want to see it. I want to know it, God. And so Jesus, I just thank you that you have done something in the lives of those that were here today. And yes, what we're talking about, this sustainable silence that helps sustain us across the years But we want to thank you, God, that just as you met with Elijah and you changed things so that what he had started could go forward into the next generation, we declare that's what is going on now and that you're going to help us, oh God, to pass on the baton, to be part of what you're doing in this season, and yet we won't get in the way of it so that those who are coming behind us will be able to do greater things than what we have done, God. I want Kim to do greater things than I did. And I want everyone listening to do greater things than have been done before, because that's the God that you are. You're always doing something greater, but you're also requiring for us to walk close to you. And silence is a way of really walking close to you because when we spend time in your presence, we come also into your holiness. And it is in that place that you sometimes convict us and you show us things that we have not seen before. And you teach us things we have not known before. And we want to be open. I think that Elisha really did not anticipate a a still small voice. Uh, He, Uh, Elijah did not anticipate that still small Mm -hmm. voice. He anticipated what he always knew, only maybe in a new form. But what came was totally different. So, Lord, but it was what was needed. It was what was needed. So, Lord, meet with us and give us what is needed to sustain us Teach us, Lord, how to practice these things. Give every person that is listening a heart to say, I'm going to try that. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would keep leading them back to these practices, leading them back to what I just mentioned about meditation. Maybe even getting my book, which asks some questions and ask them to reflect upon these different aspects Uh, And and maybe even to begin to journal on the basis of some of the things that they've read. Lord, I'm not interested in selling books, but I'm interested in people growing and growing. And sometimes we need others to help guide us in our growth. And we, a, a book or other resources can help us. So Lord, use this for your, for your glory, Jesus. We live for your glory kim lives for your glory i live for your glory and kim lives for your for in time revival and that's (laughs) what i live for and i have lived for it all these years and you are not going to disappoint me god hallelujah so i want to thank you lord uh whoever you were especially uh, especially ministering to tonight I ask you that you would assign angels to them, that they would guard the work that you have started in their life and that you would seal the work of what you've started in their life so that the enemy cannot begin to bring those lies and those doubts back into their mind and that he can break patterns of behavior in the name of Jesus so that there can be a fresh beginning Oh Lord keep us close to you and let us be just like Jesus that we say what you are doing and we say what you are saying Lord if 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 we can do that then we know that we will be able to say when we see you I have glorified you mm-hmm. and I have given I have done the things that you've asked me to do so whatever you have assigned to each one of us we say, Lord, we want to do it with all of our heart, our soul, yeah. our mind, and our strength. Yes. So, Lord, bless us as we go into this new season. Give us fruitfulness. Cause us to flourish and to thrive. And may we know you more each day, Jesus, in your name, amen.
1: Amen. amen. Well, it was a pleasure having you. And, uh, and yes. I hope you'll come back again sometime soon and God bless you and everything that you do, Mama Nettie. And so thank you for yes. being on the show with us. I yes. hope that you all experience the presence of the Lord the yes. way I did, I thought it was awesome. And, uh, yes. and I hope that you learned something brand new and something to add to your repertoire of uh, spiritual practices to make you closer to the Lord and experiencing his presence every day in your life. So God bless you. Thank you for joining us again. This is the move forward podcast with Dr. Kim Moss and Dr. Jeanette storms. And uh, we thank you for joining us. Join us again next week for a new episode of this podcast. And we'll see you next time. Thank
0: you for joining us for the move forward podcast. We would love for you to rate this podcast and share it with a friend. You can connect with Dr. Kim on social media. For those links and more, visit her website, kimmoss.com. Host Dr. Kim Moss leads Kim Moss Ministries and Women of Our Time. She is the author of Prophetic Community, The Way of the Kingdom, Facing Ziklag, and The Four Questions. You can find those books on Amazon. Remember, never throw away your confidence. It is time to move forward.